Piers Cunningham is on the line, our intrepid COVID-19 reporter. Piers, welcome once again to RWPFM's uh, Peninsula Talks. Good morning, Brendan. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Piers. As we come to where this morning, looks like uh, New South Wales still beset by some big numbers. 344 I'm getting off the news feeds here and 20 out west here in Victoria. I would suggest that the lockdown is going to continue for a little while longer. Yeah, it looks like that in... Victoria, the amount of that were out in the wild, so to speak, during their infectious period is coming down. But I think you know, it is a fair bet to say that it'll be extended by a week. Let's just hope it is only a week. There is an encouraging trend, whereas in, in, in the last couple of days there's been more people who've, who've had some of their infectious period in public when they can spread it around. That number is coming down. So there is some cause for optimism there. 41,000 test results uh, were, were received. Yeah, as you said, 20 locally acquired. Um, active cases total is 118 for the state. Importantly, the vaccine rollout continues 23,811 uh, doses administered. Uh, total administered for the state, 1.84 million. Now, just a quick look at the figures. You mentioned 344 is that headline number for New South Wales. And... Unfortunately, that's, that's persistently high. There's 374 people in hospital, 62 in ICU. They're doing very high numbers of testing per day. I think it was in the order of 119,000 tests in the last 24 hours for New South Wales, 30,000 doses, 30,500 doses administered in the last 24 hours. And total number of doses for New South Wales is, um, is, is good. Uh, and these uh, administered in New South Wales since the 22nd of February 21, so earlier this year, four and a half million, over four and a half million. So vaccine rollout is is in, in increasing, and um, that's a good thing. Um, as we heard a couple of days ago, the Moderna, uh, which is an mRNA technology vaccine, has, has been approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration uh, in Australia and will be available from late September via pharmacies. So it should be easier to get hold of. Well, it's very, very interesting, isn't it? So New South Wales being ravaged a little bit at the moment, 344, um, those uh, recently and locally acquired cases, 20 here in uh, Victoria or around Melbourne. Now, I just want to bring you up to speed or just sort of test out a couple of the latest bits and pieces that I've been picking up from overseas, Piers. I'm not sure whether you've had a chance to read in, but Oxford University and a couple of experts over there on the pandemic now questioning the whole notion of herd immunity in the last 24 hours. They're claiming that Delta virus is just too difficult to control and the attitude appears to be in Britain at the moment, well, maybe we've got to start considering just living with this virus. Have you seen that? Have you heard anything yeah. about that? Yeah, I did I did read a little bit about that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, there are some, uh, some infectious disease experts overseas who are questioning... Um, the, you know, this idea of herd, herd immunity, it's something that's been bandied around since the beginning of the pandemic as a sort of desirable goal, whether you achieve it through vaccination or through people who expose the virus develop their own natural immunity. A combination of those two things, gives, two things supposedly gives you herd immunity, where enough people have got it to protect society overall, the community overall from, from the risk. But, yeah, there are, there, that's been called into question, that sort of assumption and some of the assumptions behind that. But there's also talk about super variants. There's talk about uh, Indonesia uh, because of the virus really running wild there at the moment. Uh, that is the kind of situation where variants can emerge. And uh, there are experts who are saying it's quite 
quite possible that, that a super variant could come out or another variant along the lines of Delta, perhaps even more contagious uh, and maybe even more deadly than, than uh, Delta could come out of Indonesia in the, in the current disastrous situation there around northern neighbours, which is, you know, it's only a, a canoe ride from uh, Australian shores, so to speak. Or, or across the Papua New Guinea. Yes, yeah, so, mm. so if you enjoyed Delta, wait till you uh, get infected by the Gamma variant. Um, but, the, uh, but the other issue, uh, the other interesting thing that was coming out of the UK as well that I saw in the last 24 hours, um, Piers, is that uh, Professor... Professor Neil Ferguson, who you might remember was the great doomsdayer uh, epidemiologist, saying that or was predicting that 100,000 Brits would come down with COVID once they came out of lockdown and eased restrictions on July 19th, reckons he got his figures totally wrong. And uh, so he seems to be coming to some sort of rapprochement around a different way of, of looking at COVID and treating it as well. So therefore, given the fact that many are giving up on the notion of herd immunity, um, the doomsayers are sort of coming off their dire predictions. Maybe we're just going to have to go down some sort of middle road here whereby we just have to live with COVID much like we would live with a flu. Yeah, that's, and look, I think that's, there's been people saying that all along. I think that that is right. We, we have had a death toll, unfortunately, from, um, from our annual uh, seasonal flu that uh, you know we've had that for years, and we, you know, some people get jabs. A lot of people get jabs for that and protected, and that that jab is is formulated based on the, the latest variants that are circulating. And we're talking about you know just the, the, the winter flus that go around. Um, but there is a toll of them, and and um, probably we're going to just have to add something to that vaccine, whether it's a separate one or it gets incorporated into it. But we're going to have to uh, accept perhaps a higher toll of the winter flu because it does seem that COVID is worse in winter. If you look at Europe now, uh, you mentioned recently that, uh, you know, that people you know of are, are travelling uh, fairly freely and, and if you saw the, the sort of handover to Paris from Tokyo at the Olympic Games, there were partying in the streets, there were huge crowds at the Eiffel Tower where that enormous flag was, was the Olympic flag was attached to the side of the Eiffel Tower. There's people going about their, their lives in, in a relatively normal way, a COVID normal way, if you like. So I think that that's more and more looking like the way that you, you have to approach this, that this, this reluctance to accept any death toll, unfortunately, may be just completely unrealistic. Yeah, and, 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 and lockdowns are, are at best a temporary solution until the next incursion. This is the thing that we are finding in Australia. This is what's happened in Victoria. In the last two lockdowns, we've got rid of it, or we've got it under control, and then, sure enough, there's another leak from uh, a place like New South Wales where there is, unfortunately... A quite large outbreak, but the thing about the, the lockdowns is that once you have completed that that lockdown, um, uh, you've actually gained nothing long term against the virus. Your personal vulnerability to COVID is unchanged after you emerge from a lockdown, unless you spirit. unless unless you get those vaccine rates up. Yeah, that's right, and, and your and your spiritual economic health is damaged every time you have a lockdown, and that's something that we need to also think about. That the consequences of lockdown may be worse than the, the toll of the actual virus. Well, we're, we're, yeah, we're going to be speaking to Andrew Hunter, the uh, CEO of uh, CPA Australia, about all of that. He's got some real misgivings about lockdown, its impact on business as well. We'll be speaking to him about 12.30. But interestingly as well, uh, Jacinta Ardern,
concern in New Zealand, of course, the Kiwis have been um, very, very clever and very adept at putting up the big fortress around the old shaky isles. She's going to be making a big announcement, I think, tomorrow night about the future ahead for New Zealand as well. We'll be interesting to see where she goes. But you're talking about the French, though, um, Piers. I also picked up out of the uh, out of European press that the French are discriminating against some Brits now because they reckon that their double-digit QR code NHS uh, quarantine passport is not suitable for France. Nor on is what it. Base? I well, heard well, that. On what base? Well, it's, it, it has to be a European uh, European Union recognised accreditation, and in some instances, the British proof of vaccination is not acceptable in some circumstances. So you know the uh, you know the Louvre, uh, the Eiffel Tower, the Pompidou Centre. If you go there now at the moment, you've got to have a European Union recognised accreditation to get in, according to and some I, reports. And it's, I presume that that's to do with the vaccines that you've been given. Well, that was the other that was the other issue as well at one stage. So it's going to be interesting the whole regulation once we do start opening up our borders as well, just how freely we are travelled and what sort of vaccination certificates are acceptable to some countries and others not. And I also yeah. noticed that in New York now, if you want to eat indoors or go to the theatre, you've got to prove at the door that you have the double vaccine shot, otherwise you're out. That's right, and that's and that's increasingly what's happening around the world is that people, if you if you've got the double vaccine certificate, which which I got recently, you get it through the uh, MyGov portal, and then that gets uh, shared with your Medicare app, and then you've got it in your phone, or you can actually print out a PDF. Uh, there's various forms that it comes in. Uh, you can even put it into a digital wallet in your phone and your Google or your, your uh, iOS device. Then you've got it there in a sort of verifiable, secure format, which is supposedly acceptable or will be acceptable all around the place and, and presumably overseas. And, and that's going to be your passport to being able to do things. And that's that's happening. And, and people, there's people who are you know against their vaccine hesitance or their anti-vaxxers. And there's people saying that's very discriminatory, that's unfair, they don't like it. Uh, but that's that's really the way the world is going. That if you want to have freedoms, if you want to travel, if you want to go eat indoors, you want to go to a big sporting event, all those things, then you do need to be vaccinated to get in the door, literally. Yes, I see Dan Andrews is just uh, wrapping up his uh, press conference live at the moment. Uh, 20 cases in the last 24 hours. I would suggest that probably the lockdown will continue. Just trying to catch up with the latest news cycle and see what uh, our Premier was saying just a few moments ago. But yeah, interesting as well. And of course, there's a lot of pushback in France at the moment as well about uh, that uh, passport. The French are very, very upset about it. And it looks like the latest news is, yes, coming off of that press conference as we're going to air live here, the lockdown has been extended for seven days. Two deaths and 344 new cases in New South Wales. So, Daniel Andrews, much as we expected, Piers, extending things by another seven days. Yeah, well, hopefully that will be enough. As I said, that trend of the cases that are coming up being in isolation as opposed to being sort of out in the wild, spreading it around or potentially spreading it around, that's, that is uh, is coming down and that's something I think the government's watching very closely. One of the reasons why that's important is because it allows contact tracing to sort of catch up with things, you know, because contact tracing really does rely on things happening very, very quickly. And if there's any delays, and there's some, actually some really interesting figures that you can look at on the internet, which show, you know, how countries, different countries have done better. One of the countries that's done really well with contact tracing and doing it very quickly and effectively is Vietnam. And they haven't necessarily used the super high-tech solutions. I mean, there are some companies that access location data from phones. They do it with or without your permission. In China, they don't get your permission. And that, that can help 
with a speedy response for contact tracers. But Vietnam's just done it in a, a kind of best practice way. They act very, very quickly. They get hold of people and um, they make sure they get locked down and they can do it in a very targeted way. So they don't lock down whole cities. You know, Melbourne's a city of 1,700 square kilometres. To lock that area down over a few cases is almost un- unheard of outside Australia. So in Vietnam, they shut down streets or even, uh, you know, a-, a-, a town, but they don't shut down whole cities. And they've done very well in the vi- against the virus. Look, the Delta is a bit different. Delta seems to be challenging even countries that, uh, that did well last year. Indeed, and uh, we would include New South Wales in that at the moment as well because, of course, the Harbour City had been travelling pretty well up until a few weeks ago. But as we were saying, 344 new cases in the last 24 hours, 20 down here in Victoria, and the lockdown to continue for us for another seven days. Piers Cunningham, thank you very much indeed. Always very, very insightful. Piers, we'll book you for next week if we may. Who knows, we might even have a wonderful live press conference that we can cross to live. And the good news is we come down of, uh, out of lockdown number six. Yeah, well, let's hope so, Brandon. I think lots of people have, have had enough and I think a lot of businesses and livelihoods are on the line. And so, and, and not to mention mental health and all the other sort of consequences. The suicide rate is very sad, uh, but these are, these are the side effects of, of protracted and rolling lockdowns. Good on you, Piers. Thank you very much indeed. This is RPPFM across the Mornington Peninsula. Piers Cunningham, of course, you can hear each and every Tuesday here on RPPFM between 11 and 2 as well. Beyond infinity. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you've liked our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Beyond Infinity RPPFM on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter.